and we may not have anyone with an opening that we'll see with that age range. And I genuinely do feel bad that we can't accommodate. But I also know that there's it's this endless journey. If I okay, I hire another kid specialist, and then they need clients, and we got to go, in, and then we need space to put them, and then yeah, and there are always attention. I love kind of what you said, James. It's like it's not necessary about always solving a problem. Sometimes it's solving a problem, sure, but other times it's thinking what is the tension I realize I need to live with long term. Hey, welcome back to the show. This is James Marland with the Scaling Therapy Practice. In this episode, we talk about the problems of more. You know, more is not always better. Scaling has an end. We started talking about like how much is too much and it uh, turned into this episode. We talked, uh, there's two real killer tips in this episode and I will give them to you now and hopefully you'll listen to them. The first one is, there's always a problem of adding more. You're going to have a problem. Uh, David says a therapist or a therapy practice has always has these three problems. Not enough clients, not enough space, not enough therapists. And I thought that was great. And he said, you have to choose which problem you want to live with. And that was uh, quite, quite brilliant. When you realize you're going to always have these issues, you, you don't have to be uh have like all this angst over i have to have to add more i have to add more uh his key tip in there and how to handle this is amazing and i'll let you listen to the show about how to handle that 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 problem of always getting more and when you when you add a new therapist you need a new room or if you buy a bigger building you gotta hustle to get a therapist in that room so that you can pay for it. But then when you get a therapist, you need clients and, you know, the problems just sort of feed on each other. And I thought that was uh, the way he explained it and how he solves that issue for himself was great. Then the second tip that uh, I really like, and I, I tend to live with by myself, it was from Andy Stanley. And Andy said, um, there's some things that are attention to manage, not a war to win. And there are, there's a lot of tensions uh, when running a business that uh, if you go too far to one side or the other, it kind of destroys the benefit of both. So I suppose the, the second tip is a companion to the first tip from David. And for the example of hiring staff, there's going to be a tension for you. You see these needs. You don't want to leave money on the table per se. But you also know you have a constraint with um, buildings and also maybe a capacity for how many people you want to lead. So there's that tension to manage and you're going to feel it. But once you decide, you once you realize you get to decide what tension you want to deal with, then it makes solving those problems a little easier. So those are the two tips that there's that come to mind when I think of this show. But there's a couple other ones in there that I think you're going to enjoy. So listen to the show uh, uh, with between David and I on as we talk about the problems of scaling. Psych Maven is proud to support the Scaling Therapy Practice podcast. And if you are someone looking for ideas that are tailored to your own personal style on how to scale and grow your own impact and income as a mental health provider, we hope you might check out our free online assessment. If you go to stp.psychmaven.com, 
You can take our free personal inventory and find out what your builder type is as a helping professional. This assessment is quick and fun, and it comes with tons of customized resources with your results, so you can discover the best ways to scale that match your own personality. Find the assessment at stp.psychmaven.com. That is stp.psychmaven.com. Have fun with it. Hello, this is James with the Scaling Therapy Practice. I'm here with Dr. David Hall. Hello, David. Hi, James. This episode, we're going to talk about when scaling is too much, in particular uh, about buildings. Like if you grow to a certain spot, you're going to come up with the conversation of, should I add another location? Should I add more room? Should I add more space? And I have an interesting conversation with David about that. But first, we're going to start with our tool tech or tip of the week. Uh, David, why don't you go first? What's your what's your <laughs> next or tip? Um, so we are recording this in January 2023, and there's nothing necessarily super predictive about what I'm going to say because I don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was having a conversation with my father this week, who uh, my my dad's a contractor. Um, and, you know, he deals with like building material and he, he kind of thinks a lot about like the cost of material sort of thing. And I was we were having a casual conversation that I was getting some maintenance work done on my car, which is a have had for a few years. And he goes, you need to consider get, getting a new car this year. And I'm like, well. In particular, Why? reason, he goes, he goes, he goes I'm pretty sure steel is going to get really expensive this year. And because he was talking, he looks at that and some of it is, is just kind of the supply chain that a lot of apparently and people may be listening to this and be like, that's completely wrong. And you know what? It could be completely wrong. I'm just relating what somebody told me who knows more generally about this topic than me, but that a lot of finished steel that we use in the United States is finished in the United States. But to make steel, you need, you know, uh, for those who aren't uh, uh, really into chemistry and things like that. And I'm definitely not. I think I was in my twenties when I learned that steel is a, is a, is iron with a certain level of carbon in it, but you, you need iron to kind of start with that. And most of the iron that we use in the steel industry in the United States comes from overseas places like China and, and Russia. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be predictively this idea that there's going to be issues in supplies for that in the coming year. And that's going to make steel more expensive and by extension, making cars more expensive. So my dad was encouraging me of looking at the interest rates of what like a car loan would be versus based on a certain percentage increase in overall car pricing. And this is relevant too for stuff we're going to talk about, because I think sometimes you've got to like put it on paper. I think oftentimes as mm -hmm. therapists, we're very like feels oriented. We, we kind of go with like how something feels kind of gut instinct. And yeah. sometimes it's accurate, but other times it's not. And sometimes we can be surprised when we actually crunch numbers on something of how something adds up. Because this idea of like, I wasn't looking to take a car loan out, but, and I don't know the answer to it yet. I, I'm, I still need to kind of crunch the numbers and look at say if it's worth it. But it was just a curious kind of conversation. It's generally not things I think about. So the tip is you may want to consider <laughs> an automobile purchase in 2023 given the correct parameters. 
And, okay. uh, uh, or you might not. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I am not a consumer report sort of person. I'm a therapist. I'm happy to talk about that. But that is the tip, at least I'm considering this week. Great. Uh, my, my father-in-law gave me a tip that, uh, about cars, um, because I was always buying like the, the cheapest car that I could afford and mm. it, it, uh, they would break down and then leave you stranded and then cost, you know, thousands of extra dollars. And he was like, why don't you just suck it up and buy a more expensive car, <laughs> you know, buy a quality car that'll last longer. And, you know, for the last 20 years that. That has really been really great advice <laughs> because like the, the, the cars that have the great engines, like the Hondas and the Toyotas mm. that, you know, you're just buying tires and brakes and, mm -hmm. you know, if you drive it right and take care of it, it'll take care of you. But, uh, yeah, I had a couple cars, um, anyways, father, fathers and their, uh, fathers or fathers-in-laws and their advice on cars sure. is, uh. And as a side note, this episode of the Scaling Therapy Practice is brought to you by Toyota and Honda <laughs> and the automotive dealership of the United States. I, I would be happy to have a Toyota sit in my driveway because I don't go anywhere, but I would. <laughs> Which actually, okay, that relates to my tip of the week, going places. Let's let's do that. Um, I was listening to uh, Business Made Simple with Donald Miller. Uh Everyone knows if you've been following my stuff, I I really, really, really like the Donald Miller brand with Story Brand and Business Made Simple. And um, I bought his new book, which I don't remember the name of it, but it's uh, it's on my list now to do. So uh, my tip, though, from him was he he had a, a podcast on how to make 2023 a great year, or, you know, your best year ever. Mm. And uh, one of his things in there was. The more time you spend watching TV, your your brain forgets that stuff. Like you don't remember that as an event or anything memorable, even though you watch something exciting. There's very few shows or TVs that even talk about. And he said uh, one of his things was like, make a list of things that you want to do, like a bucket list. He said, make a bucket list. And he mentioned his three things that he wanted to do. And he said, if I do these three things, 2023 is going to be a great year. And I was like, that, that is a great, just a great way to, he said, you maximize your time. Like mm. you forget the, you forget the stuff that like the TV and the other things, but you, you like double your life or double your enjoyment and with life by doing things with other people. And I thought that is, you know, we're still early, still January, probably by the time you listen to this, it'll be later in the year, but it's still early in the year to make that list and mm. do those things. And did you ever did you ever read a study about when you're older, your brain saves time by forgetting the things that you've done over and over again? I haven't read that, but I'll believe it. OK, well, so. I read I it was either on NPR or something because it, it was like when you drive to a place that you've been over mm -hmm. and over and over again, your brain sort of like saves calories and like shortens it. You know, you're like, how did I end up here? Well, I drove there. So if you do the same. So I. I I think, and maybe there's a study out about this already, I think 20, 2021, 2022, or 2020, 2021 with COVID, where we stayed inside all the time and did the same things over and over again, it went fast. It, it feels like nothing happened because we did the same things over and over again. Now, you know, with as long as it's safe, it's okay to go out and go do those things that we did and maximize maximize 2023 so 
Uh, I'm all about that. I'm I've got some travel I'm hopeful for in 2023, and and I'm I would love. I had a big trip planned with my wife in 2020, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, I, I I think novelty. Our brain does register novelty differently than it does routine, and there's benefit in both. And it's it's, but I, I do like this idea of leveraging those sorts of things in kind of planning for a year. So, yeah. That's, that's so, why you remember a restaurant that you've never been to before more than mm-hmm. the restaurant that you've been to 10 times. Okay. So yeah. ready for the, uh, the topic? Yeah. So we were talking a, a lot of what prompts our conversations that we end up recording is conversations that James and I have offline. And we get talking about this idea of, and you know, the episode I think is titled something like, you know, when scaling, when to stop scaling or when scaling's yeah. enough or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, but, you know, I'll let you kind of ask. Well, yeah, I was, so I was, we were talking and we, we talked about scaling, you know, it's the name of the podcast. Yeah. And you, you said you have how many therapists now? At the time of recording, we are at like between 17 and 18. I, I say that because we just, we, we just committed to an intern, cool. a new intern, but hasn't started yet. So that's the. So, so you have enough space for that many people and that probably another episode will talk about how you got your building or mm. whatever, but, but, uh, you, you were saying you don't want to go and expand into another location. And that's, no. that goes about our, our discussion sometimes about scaling and like, you know, people don't have to become a, a group practice or a multi-site practice or, or all mm. those things. There is a a limit to where you want to scale uh, um, a, a, a stopping point. And I think sometimes in the scaling journey, we don't, we think we're just going to grow forever or mm-hmm. we want to do this. We don't even set down some boundaries or some goals for mm-hmm. ourselves. So I thought that was like really interesting because some of the other people I've talked to, once they get to a certain spot, they're like, I have to add another building or I have to get another room or I have to like, maximize the space somehow mm-hmm. open on weekends maybe you do open on weekends i think that's a fine idea but anyway if i had uh, therapists that wanted to work on weekends yeah uh, well it depends on it. your your mix and where yeah. you're at but but so let's talk about the building so i was very curious about the building because that's a big decision for a lot of people like what what's your what's your decision about your limit of okay i have this building and i'm going to use it uh-huh. Uh, but I don't want to buy another building. So can you walk me through that a little sure. bit? Um, I had, before I was in um, counseling practice, I, I had started, we had recorded an episode recently, and maybe it's out uh, by the time people are hearing this. Of, I, I shared some about my journey of starting a psychiatry practice. Mm-hmm. And it was after that, but before I started a counseling group, but I got to know uh, somebody um, he's a consultant uh, named Jay Ostrowski, but he was a telehealth consultant for mental health counseling in telehealth before it was cool. Uh, and it hits just sort of, I met him at a conference in 2017 where he was talking about telehealth. And this was before, I mean, it, it's weird to think about, but I had not done consistent telehealth counseling at that point. And most people I knew had not, it, it was starting to become a thing, but it was still pretty rare. And, uh, that's what Jay did and still does, but his background is he's a licensed professional counselor in LPC 
And he had owned a group practice in South Carolina. And when I was in the process of shifting into doing group counseling, psychotherapy, um, as we were friends and he helped me just think through some stuff uh, early on. But uh, one of the things I ascribed to him of, he said, when you're growing a practice in counseling, psychotherapy, you always have one of three problems, sometimes two problems, but you always have at least one of these problems because there are three. Not enough therapist, mm -hmm. not enough clients, mm -hmm. not enough space. Yeah, that makes sense. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. The space issue for, for those who are doing telehealth practices, that's a different dynamic, but we'll assume you're in, you're generally doing a physical practice. And, and I know you did a released an episode fairly recently, uh, James, where you had a conversation with Daniel Fava about like mm -hmm. culture in, in virtual, virtual workspaces, virtual yeah. workspace. And, and that's the thing, like I, I've, I'll go on this a little bit. I have currently of our team. We have one person that's completely remote, but, and so, you know, they don't take up an office right now, but uh, part of what led that is this is somebody who worked for us in person as an in-person therapist and part of her journey, we're in East Tennessee. Um, and she, her husband uh, ended up taking a job with a startup company in South Texas uh, near uh, San, San Padre Island, uh, Brownsville, Texas. and she was having to relocate, but she already had an established clientele. Um, there were issues with language because where she was moving to was predominantly Spanish speaking mm -hmm. part of the United States. And she does not speak Spanish to that level to be able to do therapy in it. And so she made the decision to continue with us seeing remotely clients in Tennessee, in Texas. Mm -hmm. And, but that's the only remote person we have. Now, all of my, my therapists do a certain amount of telehealth. But most of them still work in person. So anyway, I, I digress. If if you're in a dynamic of you're running a virtual office, this doesn't perfectly apply. But let's say you're running a traditional office. You have one of those three problems. But he's like, by the process, in the process of solving one of those problems, you create a new one. If you don't have enough therapists, but you've got tons of clients coming in, you, you'll hire therapists. And by the process of bringing on new therapists, eventually you'll be short clients. Mm-hmm. It's just the solving one problem creates a new problem. And so where Jay advised me was decide which problem you want to live with. And for me at the time, it was very clear which problem I wanted to live with. I wanted to have not enough space. Okay. Uh, of that, I wanted... Because every time you solve the problem, you're, cre you're creating another problem, another yeah. monster. Yeah, be... sometimes two. Yeah. You know, you have, you, you open up a new office and then you've got to have, bring clients in to justify the space and you have to have therapists to serve those clients. Yeah, so you can you have buy, two of the problems at the same time. Yeah. And if you buy, you buy a big building, you need the, to, you need the clients and the staff. If you have, if you hire a new therapist, you need the space and the clients. Yeah. If you have clients, you need at least the therapist and maybe more space. Yes. But okay. you always are solving. I love that. That that yeah. reminds me of the 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 you can the you know bring your car in and you can have fast, cheap, or good, but you yeah. can only pick two. <laughs> yeah, it's and, like that triangle. Yeah, and and so that was as a concept a very liberating one for me. 
Yeah. And it affected kind of how I planned out my journey. So that's one aspect of things, realizing that to do anything, you create a new problem. Well, I think that that's actually a good, good reminder that you're never going to solve the, the, the Rubik's cube of running the office. Like you're you're always going to flip one side and it's going to look good on one side and you created a thing. Now, I guess, I guess at some point, you know, that's where our discussion is going. You're going to decide I've solved it enough for Mm -hmm. my, my situation, but that's just a really good thing to remember that sometimes we feel like we have this problem to solve, but really it's a tension to manage. Mm. Yes. There's no like getting winning. You can't win. You know, you, if you win the space side, you've lost the, you know, your, your, uh, uh, your expense side. Mm -hmm. So, but not all problems are equal. Yeah. And depending on who you are, they, they affect it. So I, um, have a fairly large team, but part of that, I mean, relative, like there, I've no 30 people practices, but, um, you know, in in my mind, I, I feel we have a fairly large team, but we also have, but the main thing that's pushed that is we have a fairly large building. Mm-hmm. and a fairly large banknote that goes with that building. People will ask, like, <laughs> you bought a building. I'm like, no. I go, a bank bought a building with me, and I'm slowly <laughs> buying it back. So, uh, <laughs> But so that effect, I would have a smaller practice if I, if I didn't own a building. And part of the reason I have a building is because the building came with my previous startup. Mm-hmm. And that you shape the it was a previous business that shaped the idea to buy a building and i just happened and like and here's the thing i generally like my building generally it, it is like I, i'm in a i like my location we're right next to uh, whole foods and there, we're we're in this like kind of private neighborhood and I, it's a lot of ways it's ideal where we're on a private street next to a major street and we're right next to an interstate exit so we're like really accessible for like most people in our city but we're also on a private, like, and that matters to some people. Like we're not, you know, people, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're not on a main street. So, you know, if someone's a little wary of being seen going into the counseling center, like they have the the ability of certain amount of privacy. So we're, we're in a private little nook in a pretty public area, but we've got this little bit of woods on the backside of my building that. When the one of the first thing I did when I bought the building was I went with a machete and a and a we call them in the south a weed whacker. I don't know what y'all call them in North, but like what do y'all call them in, in Pennsylvania? The, you know what uh, I'm talking about? The the machine that cuts weeds with the wire. Yeah, the wire, yeah. What that's do you call it? Weed that? whacker. Yeah. Okay, that's what we call it. I, I it, oh, it's calling something a weed whacker sounds like a very like Southern East Tennessee thing. thing yeah. So yeah, yeah. I didn't know if that was generalized and wherever you are in the world that may, you may call it something. Anyway, the thing you do the edging with sure. in, in your lawn, but the, uh, but I went through there and cut a path through the woods so we could walk through the woods because there's a shopping plaza on the other side and there's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's fair. You know, it's a, it's a lovely little amenity that we have and could generally have healthy lunch, not cheap lunch. And that's, you know, that's an example. Like, do you want healthy or cheap? <laughs> and because it's yep. hard to combine the two, but the, um, I guess you could do healthy and cheap if you make yourself and then that takes your time. So that's that triangle. And the time, the time yeah. is the triangle. So, yeah. Anyway, but, um, I like my office and, and like, I, I enjoy, like, we have a neat layout. We have 
space to do things, but it, it costs, but so I have a large practice because I have a large building. And if I had a smaller building or a cheaper building, I'd probably have a smaller practice. And I love my team, but managing this many people, when we were a practice of nine, about half, that was much easier. And I think sometimes, like, I, I think some of what happens in scaling is that you hit different bumps. Like scaling, the, the feel of growing a group practice isn't symmetrical. Like when I went from like, we initially started our first year with me and two other therapists and I was their supervisor. And so it was a really high touch relationship and like, they were pretty easy. And then we went to two, we added another, added another two, we went from five of us to, or three of us to five of us. And that was pretty easy. And then we added a few more and my wife joined the practice. And so she was able to step um. in some different management with me. And when we hit about, so going from about three to nine, wasn't vastly different, more difficult. And, but some of it was the personality. Some of it was the, the ratio between like management quote and staff. And that was, there weren't a lot of growing pains in that, but then like when we hit different numbers past that, we hit different growing pains. And some of it was, is that just, we were spread further between our staff sure. and, um, there are different relationships. The first hires were people that had been grad students of mine uh, that I, I was doing adjunct teaching. And these were people who I had, I had built relationship with as a professor. And then after that, those initial ones, we were hiring just brand new people. And so there was a different relationship arc. And so anyway, it just became trickier so uh, in that when, when, you have gotten over, you know, close to over 20 people. You have 18, 17, but you, you, you're starting to run out of room, I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. And you probably had to do some creative things even to get that many people. So what, what was your process of thinking, okay, if I want to keep growing, I might need more building or did you just decide this is the level I want for my practice? Like, how did you, like, what were some of your thoughts or maybe pros and cons, I guess, of adding more or staying where you're at? I, I shared that, like, I generally like my building and I do, except when I don't. And we have uh, six restrooms in the building. Oftentimes there's some toilet broke. Every building has a restroom story. Have you ever heard about that? Anybody who owns a building has a restroom story. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't heard that, but I, I definitely do. I have a few. Oh, every, uh, every time I, every, every practice owner, I feel like I've talked to has some, when they own their building, they have a, a bathroom story. So anyways, continue. yeah, we, we have that. We have, um, our building has seven HVAC units and I've had to replace three you know, over and those aren't cheap. And, you know, we've, I live in a place where we have hot summers and cold enough winters that oh, we need both. Yeah. Like we don't have, it's not as cold as it gets in Pennsylvania where you are, James, but it gets cold enough where like if the heat's not working in January, that matters. Mm -hmm. And there is, you know, I'm having, I'm, I'm, I'll need to restripe the parking lot this year. Mm -hmm. I'll need, like, there's something. There's always something. And that's just the nature of having a space. And 
you could say, well, if I'm renting, I don't have to deal with that sort of stuff. And that's true, depending on your rental agreement. But then you're, you know, there are other downsides. Of, you know, I have ideally what's an appreciating asset, um, I hope. <laughs> and uh, there's always a con. There, there could be pros to your path. There's always a con. It's deciding what you want to live with. Now, um, part of my decision-making process was I realized that I was going to create new problems for myself to yeah. expand. And did I want to solve those problems? And so that was, a, and the answer was no. So that was part of it. The other thing for me is this isn't the only business I do. And, you know, I have an online teaching business. Mm -hmm. And that business scales very differently than my therapy practice business. Like I, um, uh, growing that also takes new, I create new problems for myself, the bigger that gets, but they're problems I'm more willing to deal, deal with. And it doesn't create problems on the same proportion, uh, running a online, you know, I, I don't like the term passive income. It gets thrown sure. around a lot. I believe in invested income. The reason I don't like the term passive income is I think it can set up the expectation of you can create something and you never have to touch it. That is totally not true. That is totally not true. And you can create a machine that will do a lot of work for you, but you still have to like do maintenance occasionally, make sure it's oiled in certain places. And you could do stuff that runs without you actively cranking it all the time, but you still right. have to work it. And the machine of of the things I do online, I have a lot more automation in than some other things. And so when I, I had this idea of like, well, I'm okay to cap this process because I can scale in this other direction and feel a bit more capacity for that. And mm -hmm. I think the other bit, you know, James, you talk about goals. Um, a lot of why people want to scale and we'll talk about it right now, is money. Sure. That's not the only yes. reason. It's a good reason. It's a good reason. But I think it's good to set goals of what's enough. Mm -hmm. Because here's what happens for most people as their income increases. We become like the goldfish. Because goldfish grow to the size of their container. If you put a goldfish in a huge pond, it will get a lot bigger than if it's just in a little fishbowl. Mm -hmm. I mean, about goldfish biology and as you make more money you will find new ways to spend it that aren't necessarily enriching your life mm -hmm. it will just be the nature of i have more so i spend more and setting goals sometimes we'll set goals of where to grow but setting goals of what's going to be enough can be liberating to say like i'm looking to make x amount a year mm -hmm. or x amount a month or however you want to kind of set your goal and it doesn't mean the goal can't ever be reset reassessed based on different costs in your life or inflation or sure whatever sure. but when you set a goal this is enough that could be really liberating and because it's not just because what will people will do is you know they'll they'll increase their income and then it becomes like, oh, then it becomes like, well, how do I, I doubled it this last year. And that's amazing. But then it becomes, well, how do I double it next year? And then, mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't even, it ceases to even have a purpose. 
it just becomes, well, I'm just growing for the sake of growing. Mm -hmm. And what happens in Americans, I find, are can be very susceptible to this. You can get in places where you're just working all the time and you've just created all these problems for yourself. And the reward for that may be money, but it doesn't even enrich your life anymore. Mm -hmm. So you're 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 saying like you could grow with another building or another location, but it's not going to enrich your life. No. And in some ways it would create new stressors. Um well just thinking that you would have 12 bathrooms to manage. Oh my gosh. Well, and even just this idea of like, where do I, where do I, conditioners. yeah, where am I located? It yeah. becomes the thing. Like part of how I can get away with what I get away with is I have the benefit of osmosis of that. I'm physically with my staff in the same building. Oh yeah. For and sure. yeah. I know people that they, then they have to have an office manager sometimes if they do another location that becomes a new expense. Yeah. Or. Let's say they don't, but then there becomes, I, I've worked, I worked for a counseling practice that was a multi-site mm -hmm. and we were a second, I worked mostly in a secondary site and we felt like it. We felt like yeah, there were things, sometimes we, we appreciated the neglect. Sometimes there were things that we appreciated that we weren't being micromanaged in, but there were other things that like weren't attended to as well. And you feel that. And, um, yeah, I, I you always have a, a problem. Yeah, I worked for a hospital system where they had m many multi sites, but but for some reason the the main site always like got they either got prefer it felt like they got preferential treatment or you know hey we're gonna have dinner for the people but it's only at the main site or mm. you know and they went they started giving money to the other sites to do their own thing but for a while they they didn't think about those things they like made policies and uh just thought through it through the lens of the main campus not necessarily the lens of all the satellite offices and you did feel you you enjoyed the there were you enjoyed the slightly lack amount of like helicopter bossing mm -hmm. there but you also felt like you know this this the second second son or second person in line so yeah it so, becomes out so of sight, out of mind. That, yeah. that's, that's things people don't think about, though. When you think, mm. oh, you only think about the good. Like, I'm going to mm. add a building, fill it with therapists. I'm going to earn this rate of return. But you're not thinking about managing the other people, the culture, the mm -hmm. costs. I mean, you do. But until you do it, 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 it doesn't hit. In fact, if somebody's listening to this and you have a multi-site and you want to be a guest and, like, talk about your process and mate, you went the other way where you added a multi-site, I would love to interview you because that would be a, a really good uh, bookend to this. Like somebody who decided I am going to grow in this way and somebody who said, I'm going to add a building and grow in this way and see what, what would yeah. be a comparison. Compare it to David Downer here of just like, ah, I don't do it. No, the, you're not. But, a David no, no, Downer. but I, and I, I agree. Think it's, I think it's, um, admirable to know what your uh not limits because i'm sure you could you you could buy another building and fill it with staff but you know your goals i guess like you yes, know your direction it's that and, and knowing where your wiring is and i've said this before on the podcast i don't experience myself as a very good manager right, right and right. if you think are about doubling how many people you manage and yeah and if you're but if, if you have a gifting and managerial thinking and being and all that then it could be a greatly logical place to go 
the so I, I've talked about the part of setting the cap of the idea of like wanting to, of building stuff, but let's speak in the other side. There's the client and recruitment, uh, mm -hmm. recruitment of both clients and of the therapist. Um, and Is culture relates to therapist still pretty hard right now, generally. And but I also have super exacting standards. Mm. Um, I have some very specific cultural parameters mm -hmm. in the sorts of therapists I hire. We have kind of a value system we work in um, that is related to both as a staff and also the sort of clientele that seeks us out because of it. I have part of because we are a low managerial practice. There has to be a certain self-starter, right, self-managing right, right, capacity. Right. And I've had therapists that haven't worked out well because they they need a lot more handholding, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Either that's what they want or that's what they need to function. And people that can't operate pretty autonomously don't thrive in our practice. Mm -hmm. And and I take it as responsibility, not that like they're failing even necessarily, but this idea of like, I only need to bring on people that can thrive in this environment. Right. And yeah. certain people can't. And that's a cultural decision. So because of that, um, if I were like to go out and I feel confident if, I was tasked with, you need to hire another 15 therapists in this next year. Could I find 15 therapists? Yeah, I could find 15 therapists. Could I find 15 therapists that I would personally be happy with? No. Mm. And so do I want to give myself that task to do? And with clients even, like we, um, we're a very word of mouth practice. And that's something I've really spent a lot of time to cultivate. We don't, um, I don't do paid advertising. I don't do, like I've done, I, I did a, a a Facebook, Instagram campaign in 2021 that was just an awareness campaign. Uh, it was this cute little cat gif where it was this cat wearing glasses, like looking at the computer for things. And it was just, and I have no clue if we got more clients for that. It got reshared a lot because it was cute. But I have no clue if we got, and I, I spent a little bit of money on that. And then, uh, but I turned it off when we got full as a practice. Mm -hmm. And generally we stay fairly full. Like I have um, right now in my current, like I have a few of our newer therapists that are still building up their caseload. But for the most part, the vast majority of, of people in my practice are either on a wait list or we don't do wait list proper, but they're, they're on a limited intake. Mm -hmm. Or they're just not taking new people, and uh, and that's the thing when you're you're hiring, it's not like I hire today and they're full tomorrow. They're, yeah. You got to have the cash to to float the building and float all your expenses mm -hmm. to get to the point where you're profitable again because yeah. it, it's an expense. And I have I have to respond to as a practice owner. I have to respond to the problem of limited capacity because I I do get inquiries of people who are looking for. Mm -hmm. Therapy, and sometimes it's very niche. Like we have a fewer number of our clinicians see children. And I'll get inquiries pretty regularly of like, I need somebody to see this kid. And we may not have anyone with an opening that we'll see with that age range. And I genuinely do feel bad that we can't accommodate. But I also know that there's a, it's this endless journey. If I, okay, I hire another kid specialist and then they need clients and we got to go in, and then we need space to put them. And then, yeah. And there are always attention. I love kind of what you said, James, of like 
it's not necessarily about always solving a problem. Sometimes it's solving a problem. Sure. But other times it's thinking, what is the tension I realize I need to live with long term? Mm -hmm. And how do I do that well? Yeah, there's no there's no necessarily winning. <laughs> yeah. Just you're just doing it. And that's from Andy Stanley. Uh, he had a leadership podcast at one point. He might still do it. And I, I really liked it. And uh, he, he talked about the tension to manage. There are some things you just don't, you don't try to win. You just try to like get it right mm -hmm. enough and adjust as you go. Mm -hmm. So where we are, where are we in this discussion? We've talked about uh, some pros and cons. Um, so we're, uh, where do you want to go with your with your the building discussion here? Like, is there something another uh, point? Yeah, that I mean, I guess on? there's this idea of you know, do you buy or do you rent? And I think it's oh, the right, same sort sure. of thing of like of like deciding what's the problem you want to deal with. And some of your capacity, you may it you may not be in a place where buying's reasonable and or possible. And as someone who with a bank owns a building, uh. Am I happy I own my building? Sometimes. Sometimes I wish I had a landlord that was, wasn't me. Uh, but there are other issues with that. I, I, I think I I've, am a fan of a lean process. And I, I do think of looking at what's the leanest thing you can do mm. that's still good enough is provides freedom. Because for me, I'm in a, a, a bind maybe feels too strong of a term, but I'm, I'm in a predicament where I'm kind of obliged to create a certain amount of cash flow in my practice to make it sustainable. To get, to pay the staff, pay the expenses, pay yeah. yourself. And, and I've got, you know, my staff get paid on a, a proportional basis on revenue. And so my, my staff costs aren't fixed, which is nice, but I have fixed costs in building and, you know, mm -hmm. in, building and things that go with the building. We're paying for internet. We're paying for, you know, insurance. We're paying for utilities. We're paying for uh, replacement of things. And, and so yeah. those are certain fixed expenses. So it doesn't matter how many therapists I have, those fixed expenses stay fixed. And uh, I, I encourage in the growing process as much as you can to have as few fixed costs as possible is nice because it gives you flexibility on even if you have a slower month, like anyone in private practice knows that not all months are, e are equal. Mm -hmm. uh, you like December is a great example. December is usually a, a, a smaller cash flow generation month for most people because you have a lot of clients and therapists who take time off for the holidays. And, but my mortgage doesn't change in December. <laughs> Still the same. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I think, think creative, but I, I, one of the challenges, and I guess, you know, to get to the the one thing. Yeah, let's. what's the one well, thing you want people to remember uh, or do from this episode? Your problems, you will have a problem. It's deciding which one you want to live with mm. or which ones you want to live with. But there's no solving everything. In the process of solving, you create something new. And that mindset, if you embrace it, it might be slightly discouraging at first, but it can be liberating because you're not failing when you are presented with a problem or a tension, as, as to use James wording. Like mm -hmm. the tension is inevitable. It's are you working towards the tension you want to live with or not? 
great. So I was thinking about my one thing, and it's it's probably similar to what you were saying, but the I, I think I, I struggle with this a little bit because I want to grow a lot in my practice or my you know my yeah. business, and I haven't I haven't said in my head I haven't figured out what is enough right now, mm-hmm. uh, but there just thinking through the problems that you want to add to yourself because growth comes with great advantages, but it also comes with some other, other things. And if, if growing means I have to manage two parking lots two two 20 bathrooms and replace 15 air conditioners, and I'm not good at that, you know, I, I can do it up to a certain point, but then there are things that like, it starts grinding my life away. Like mm. I have to s- recognize that and understand where I can be most successful. So just understanding that that tension and that growth sometimes comes with things that you're good at. You know, when you were talking, I, I'm great at five therapists and nine therapists, but if I thought I had to, to manage 36 therapists or something, that that's the that goes beyond something that you want to do. So you find another area to grow in. And I thought that was a really great discussion. Find out where, where your limit is and, and head for that. So Mm -hmm. that's my one thing. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts? Are we ready to wrap? I'm good. Okay. And it's the, you know, but to to echo something you were saying earlier, James, is there's someone's listening to this and you're like a multi-site person, reach out to James. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because part of this is, you know, we, I'm, you know, as James and I talk and as I'm the therapist in our conversations, I have just things I've based on my experiences and my personality and I've, you know, it's limited. I I was giving automotive advice early on that could turn out to be completely wrong. This could be the worst year to buy a car. I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Looking forward to that. And I'll put I'll put my email address in the show notes. It's uh, James at CourseCreationStudio.com. Looking for some emails and maybe some guests. All right. Well, this uh, this is James Marland with Dr. David Hall for the Scaling Therapy Practice. We'll see you next time. Hey, I thought it'd be fun to read the disclaimer as if it was written by Abraham Maslow. So here we go. Chat GPT helped me write this. Dear listener, as you embark on your journey of self-discovery and personal growth, we would like to remind you that insights and perspectives shared in this podcast are based on the opinions of the hosts and guests alone. While we believe that these ideas have the potential to enrich your life and promote positive change, we urge you to use your own judgment and discretion when applying them to your own experiences and circumstances. Remember that every individual is unique. What works for one person may not necessarily work for another. Additionally, we don't claim to be lawyers or tax accountants. And the information presented in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. If you are experiencing any mental health issues or need professional guidance, we encourage you to seek the help of a qualified professional. Thank you for listening to our podcast and we hope that it inspires you to reach your full potential. Sounds pretty good. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Oh, yeah. 
The Scaling Therapy Practice is part of the SciCraft Network.